Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever overslept? I mean, it is a terrible, terrible experience, isn't it? When you just kind of wake up in a, in a shock and you, you hit the ground running and your, your heart is beating fast, you're just irritated, you're all out of sorts. It's a terrible way to start your day. That's why a lot of companies have gone to great lengths to create alarm clocks that can assure that you will wake up on time. I did a little research on that this week, and these are actual products, okay? So one of them is called the flying alarm clock. When the alarm goes off, it shoots a rotor up into the air, and it flies around, and you have to get out of bed and catch it and put it back on the clock in order to get the alarm to stop. How about this other one? It's called the clock on wheels. Whenever the alarm goes off, it literally rolls off your nightstand and starts trekking around the house and you got to catch it to turn it off again. This is crazy, right? If you're not irritated yet, you, you certainly would be after this, right? And then there's another one called the laser alarm clock where when the alarm goes off, you have to shoot a laser right on the target in order to get the alarm to stop. But my favorite one is what I call the throw against the wall alarm clock, right? Where when it goes off, you grab, literally grab the, the clock and throw it against the wall as hard as you can to get it to stop. Now, I think I would buy that one today, all right? Listen, there, we always need wake-up calls. Every morning, you need a wake-up call. But there are some times when God gives us a wake-up call. There's sometimes when God moves in history to give us a wake-up call. You know, that certainly happened to Israel. Israel had many opportunities where God called them back and called them back, called them out of their spiritual slumber and indifference to back to him and back to a spiritual awakening. But the question is, could God do that today? Is God doing that today? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. So once you get your Bible, once you open it up with me to the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 6. We are in this series, Revive, and we're looking at this one passage in Hosea 6. Hopefully you've already got this printed off and put on your refrigerator or you're memorizing it with your family. I hope that you are. Uh, but Hosea was uh, a prophet of God that was sent to a very wayward and prosperous a nation, a very spiritually indifferent nation. And he was sent by God with a wake-up call message. Let's look at it. Hosea chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. This is the word of God. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us and he will heal us. He has wounded us and he will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days and on the third day he will raise us up so we can live in his presence. You know, he starts off with this invitation. We looked at that last week, the invitation to revival. Come, let us return to the Lord. There, you don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to be like you are. You can, you can change. Come. It's an invitation to return back to God. And many times we saw last week that God will use a crisis to get our attention. But with the crisis comes a pro promise of healing and restoration if we will only return back to the Lord. Then he kind of builds on that in verse 2. Look at verse 2 again. He will revive us after two days, and on the third day, he will raise us up so we can live in his presence. Circle the words revive us. That literally means to give life, or to bring to life, or to save a life. 
You know, several months ago, our staff did the whole CPR training, right? The fire, firemen came in, and we had the dummies all over the place, and we were pumping on their chests and doing all the techniques. And, you know, some of the staff were really good. You know, some of them, that dummy was going to live, man. That dummy was in good hands. There were other staff, well, let's just say the dummy probably isn't going to make it, all right? They weren't so good. But that's the, that's the whole idea of breathing life. Giving life. He said, you know what? If we'll just return to the Lord, he will breathe life. He will save our life spiritually. And then he goes on to say, look, he, he will revive us after two days. And on the third day, he will raise us up. Now, a lot of people, when they read that, they think, oh, wait, third day, raise us up. That's, a, that's a, an, an imagery or a, a foreshadowing of Jesus. But it's not really. What, what he's saying is not talking about Jesus' resurrection. He's talking about your resurrection. He's saying if you will return to the Lord in just two days, he will hear us. On the third day, he will start to move. In other words, God will respond when his people cry out to him. That God's just waiting. That God is waiting even now. If you will call on him, if you will cry out to him, if you'll return to him, then he will respond to you. And then look at what he says. He will, on the third day, raise us up. That word raise us up means to, to build something, to erect something, to stack stones. But it can also mean, in an imagery sense, to, to rouse or to awaken or to stir to action. My friends, that's what God wants to do in your life. God wants to stir you to action. God wants to breathe new life into you. He wants to do something to arouse you again uh, to love him and to follow him. Why does God want to do that? Well, look at what it says at the end of the verse. So that we can live in his presence. Listen, God wants you to live for him. God wants you to know him and to follow him. God's got a purpose for your life. And God wants to wake you up out of your spiritual indifference. And to turn to him and really experience his presence in a way that you've never experienced before. Let me ask you something. Do you need to be awakened spiritually? Are you just kind of going through the motions? Are you spiritually indifferent, calloused, cold? The things that used to stir you no longer stir you anymore? Listen, God wants to bring revival and renewal in your own heart and in your own life. You know, there's a beautiful picture of this in the Old Testament. Where a prophet Ezekiel, who lived much after Hosea, also found himself as a messenger to a very spiritually indifferent people. And uh, God gave a vision to Ezekiel. And he took him to this great valley. I mean, I just kind of picture this massive valley. And the valley is filled with bones, human bones, scattered, dry, lifeless. And uh, God asked Ezekiel, said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, only you know that. And then God tells Ezekiel to preach to these dry, dead, lifeless bones. And this is what God said. He said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. 
So that's what Ezekiel does. He just starts preaching. He just starts preaching these dead, dry bones. Bones, come to life. God wants to breathe life into you. And he said as he's preaching, he hears this rattling noise and the bones come together and, they, and then the skin comes on them, muscle comes on them, the tendons come on them. They, they stand upright and God breathes breath into them and they stand as a mighty army. And God said, that's what I want to do to Israel. That's what I want to do to this wayward, indifferent, a callous nation. I want to breathe life into them again. Now listen, I think that's what God wants to do right here. I think that's what God wants to do in our nation. I think that's what God wants to do in you, is to breathe new life into you, into our church, into our country. Is it possible for this to happen? Is it possible for God to breathe life into our country or is it too late well you know he's done it before you know when you think about spiritual awakening our country's experienced several times when God has visited us with a spiritual awakening we talked last week about the Jesus movement that happened in the late 60s early 70s but even way before that the first spiritual awakening actually took place in the 1730s and 40s, men like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield began to preach and thousands of people would come to Christ. The church was stirred up to action and new life uh, was brought to them. In fact, George Whitfield one time preached in Boston and over 30,000 people heard him preach. And that was without a microphone. I mean, it was a movement of God. In fact, Benjamin Franklin was a friend of George Whitfield and he wrote this. He said, quote, it was, a wonderful, it, it was wonderful to see the change soon made in the manner of our inhabitants. From being thoughtless and indifferent about religion, it seemed as if all the world were growing religious. So that one could not walk through the town in an evening without hearing psalms sung in different families of every street. He said it was like all of a sudden people were indifferent and then a movement of God caused everyone to seek the Lord. The second great awakening took place about 50 years later. In 1790s and early 1800s, men like Charles Finney and, uh, and George Baxter and Thomas Dwight uh, preached the gospel up in New York, upstate New York, middle New York state, and over into uh, Kentucky, Cane Ridge, Kentucky. And they had uh, what they called brush arbors or camp meetings. And literally thousands of people would come. And these men would preach the gospel. And people would respond to the gospel. And God moved and re reignited a fire in the hearts of his people. Listen, it, it's happened over and over and over again even since then. You think about the businessmen's revival in 1857 that, that brought new life to the churches in New York City. You think about uh, the Welch revival in the early 1900s that began overseas and came even to our nation and stirred us up again. And then, of course, you had the preaching of Billy Graham in the late 40s and 50s after World War II where you saw hundreds of thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. It seems that God has moved in every generation to call his people back to him. In fact, I saw an article just this week. The title of the article said, 100 thousand plus people come to Christ. 100,000 plus salvations. They called it the great quarantine revival. Is God moving now? Is God stirring in our country even now as he has before? 
I sure pray that that's so. But let me tell you something. In every one of these cases, in every one of these revivals, in every one of these spiritual awakenings, when God supernaturally showed up and stirred his church to love him, in every case, there was one ingredient that was the same. There was a common denominator. In fact, I don't think that you can have spiritual awakening without this one key ingredient. And that is the word repentance. In order for God's people to turn to him, to be revived, to be renewed, they have to repent and to turn back to him. Every single time they understood that the blessings of God flow through the funnel of repentance. Did you get that? The blessings of God flow through the funnel of repentance. All the good that God wants to bring in your life, all the, all the blessings that God wants to bring in your life, all the renewing that God wants to do in his church, all that's going to flow through the funnel of repentance. And it has always been that way. If you look in the Old Testament, every prophet in the Old Testament, they preach the message of repentance. Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, Hosea, Amos, Habakkuk, every single one of them, Micah, every single one of them were preaching a message of repentance, calling God's people to turn from their sin and to return back to the Lord. Same thing is true in the New Testament. When John the Baptist began his ministry, he was preaching a message of repentance. To turn from their sin and to turn to Christ. When Jesus shows up, his very first sermon in Mark 1.15 was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Then we see in, in Revelation 2 when Jesus is talking to a wayward and indifferent and callous church. This is what he said. Repent and do the things you did at first. The apostles had a message of repentance. Peter at Pentecost preached repentance. And the people were cut to the heart and they turned to the Lord. The apostle Paul, when he was speaking to the erudite philosophers of Athens, what he told them is simply this, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Listen, the blessings of God only flow through the funnel of repentance. What God is looking for, for you and for me, is repentance. What God is waiting for to stir the heart of our church is repentance. What God will do when he brings awakening to our country is will bring a renewed repentance. Listen, we, we want the blessings of God, right? We just don't want repentance. We love the blessings of God and we want to receive them all the while we offend him. But God is calling for us to repent. So what is repentance? That's a really important question. What is repentance? Let me give you a little definition. You could jot this down if you want. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of behavior that results in a renewed passion for God. It's a change of mind, change of heart, and change of behavior that results or leads to a renewed passion for God. So let's just kind of break that down. So it starts with a change of mind. Listen, whenever a person uh, is beginning to stir, God's beginning to work in their heart, God's beginning to bring them to renewal, he will change their mind about themselves, about their relationship with God, and even about their own sinfulness. God will begin to change the way that you think. You know, you think about uh, 
the, the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son, man, he didn't care about his lifestyle. He didn't care what he was doing. He didn't care who he hurt. Man, he said, I just want my inheritance. I don't care, Dad, if you're dead. We will party. And so he took his money and he went and party. He didn't give any thought to it, right? Until his money was gone and his friends were gone and he was in the pig pen. And then all of a sudden, while he's eating the, the, the food of the pigs, right? He starts to think differently. And he's like, how in the world did I get here? What, what's happening? Why am I doing this? My dad's servants eat better than this. And all of a sudden, he's coming to his senses. Now, that's what happens when a person begins to move toward repentance. It starts with this thinking that, you know what? I, I, I used to not be bothered by the movies I watched. I used to not be bothered by the, the words that I use. I used to not be bothered by those thoughts I entertained. I used to not be bothered. In fact, I excused and minimized my own anger, my own pride, my own indifference. I used to not be bothered at all. But all of a sudden, now I'm thinking differently about that. And there's a sense of conviction in my own heart. So many times we minimize sinful things in our life. But when God begins to move in our hearts, he begins to show us how much that deeply grieves our Father. And we begin to see our sin the way God sees it. When King David was cut to the heart over his own sin, he wrote these words. He said, I am conscious of my rebellion and of my sin, it is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Listen, God wants to do something new in you. God wants to stir you. God wants to breathe life into you. God wants to do something amazing in your life, but that's not going to happen. Nothing's going to change without you first thinking differently about your life. Repentance starts with a change of mind. But then it turns to a change of heart. Once I start thinking like, oh my gosh, how did I get to this place? I don't want to be this person. I don't want to have this kind of life. I, I, how did I get to this point in my life when I start to think that way and all of a sudden feel this twinge of conviction that this isn't right. I've got to get right with God. There's this recognition. Then all of a sudden it moves down to my heart and I am grieved over it. I, I'm grieved over what I've done. I've grieved over who I've hurt. I grieved over what I've done to the Lord and what it cost him. You know, I think back to that prodigal son. You know, I think finally his thinking led him to move out of the pig pen and start making his way home. And I just think that every step he took toward his father, he became more deeply grieved over how he had hurt his father and the words he'd said and his attitude and, and how much he disgraced his own father. Finally, when he gets home, his father runs and he grabs him around the chest, around the uh, arms, and he begins to hold him. He says, my son is home, and this son is so broken over his own sin. My guess, tears streaming down his face, and all he can get out is, Father, I have sinned against you, and I'm not worthy of your grace. Let me ask you something. Are you grieved at all over the waywardness in your own heart? Are you grieved about your anger? Are you grieved about your spiritual indifference? Are you grieved because you can watch that movie or look at that thing and, and, and it doesn't, and you see how it's hurt God, it's hurt uh, the people in your family, it's hurt yourself? Are you grieved over the sin in your life? When, when God begins to draw someone to himself, he begins to see his sin the way God sees it and he begins to grieve over it. 
and say, I don't want that. I don't want to be that person. I don't want this in my life anymore. James puts it this way. He said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How? Listen, cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Man, I remember when, uh, when I was in college and I was not walking with God. And uh, I was doing everything to just live my own life. And for a while, I didn't think much about it. You know, I would feel a twinge of conviction once in a while, but I would just kind of suppress it and keep on. But there was a day when God said, Craig, no more. There was a day when I began to see my sin the way God sees, sees it, and, and my heart was broken over it. And I'll never forget the Lord speaking these words. I, I mean, these <laughs> has been a long time ago, but I, I can still remember these words as if they were yesterday. He said, Craig, choose you this day who you will serve. But don't you ever forget, you have been bought with a price. And that day, I stopped running from God. That day, my heart was broken. I cried out. I asked him to forgive me. That was my day of repentance. And listen, this may be your day. Listen, you may be running from God right now. You're in a relationship and you know it's breaking God's heart. You're, you've got some habits in your life that you know are breaking God's heart. You've got some areas of sin, secret sin in your life that you've tolerated. You've allowed some things to come into your mind, things to come into your life that you know are not right. You've got some pride. You've got some arrogance. You've got some other things. Or maybe you've just not been glorifying God. You've just been living your own life. And right now God is saying, hey, you've been bought with a price. Right now, God is speaking to you. And he's saying, choose you today who you will serve. But I bought you at the cross of Calvary. Listen, God calls us to repentance. It starts with a change of our mind, the way we think about it, a change of our heart, the way we feel about it. And then ultimately, it leads to a change of our behavior. That we go, we don't, I don't want that anymore. You know, that that prodigal son, he left the pig pen and he moved toward his father. And I think really when he got home, he the story never really continues. But if I could pro project that story, if I could stretch out that story, I think that young man was never the same again. I think he would think, man, my father was so gracious to me. He was so kind to me. He took me in when I didn't deserve it. And he would, I, I bet he lived out the rest of his life. Wanted to please his daddy because of the grace shown him. Listen, when, when you really come to a point of brokenness over your sin, then you want to change. You want to live different. There will be a difference in your life. Let me ask you a question. And this is a really important question. I want you to lean in on this. If God were to move in your life, if, if God were to show up right where you're sitting and, and, and deal with you and bring conviction over your life and, and, and bring some changes, what would actually change? What would change? You know, maybe a relationship would have to stop. Maybe you'd have to uh, put some filters on your computer. Maybe, maybe you would have to um, speak differently to your husband or your wife. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some other things that would need to change. Maybe, maybe it's not stopping something, but it's starting something. Maybe you would need to get back involved in church, getting back in a group, starting to serve God again. Maybe spending time in God's word. Listen, those changes that he would bring about if you turn to him are the things that God wants to do in your life right now. Listen, 
The blessings of God flow through the funnel of repentance. God wants to move in your heart. God wants to move in in your life. And he wants to do something new in you, but that's only going to happen when you turn to him. When you're willing to confess your need for him and ask him to move in your heart once again. That's what God wants right here. That's what he wants right now. And you may say, well, Craig, um, how do I do that? I, I don't really know specifically what you want me to do. Well, 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, that's what God wants you to do right now. He wants you just to confess it. To say, God, I, I don't want this part of me to continue. I, I don't want this sin to continue. I don't, I don't like it. It repulses me. I don't want to be that person anymore. I see what's happened. I know how that breaks your heart. God, I, I don't want this. Lord, I'm willing to confess it to you, God, and, and to turn from it. And God, I'm asking you to forgive me and to cleanse me and to purify me and to wash me clean again. And God, I want you to revive in my heart, resuscitate in my heart a desire for the things that please you. A desire for the things that are on your heart. Listen, if you will call on him right now, he will do it. You are one prayer away. You are one moment away from God breathing new life into you. And you say, well, why would he even do that? I mean, I've, I've come so far. I've done so much. Why does God even care? And the answer to that is the cross. You see, because God loved you so much that he sent Jesus. And, and Jesus came not only to show you the Father, but he came also to pay for that stuff that you've done. That that sin that is holding you back, that sin that's corrupting you on the inside, that sin that's keeping you from living the life that God created you to live. God sent Christ to this earth to pay for that. And on the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ took on all of your sin and he died to pay the penalty for that sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And, And on the cross, Jesus died in your place for your sin. And the Bible says he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again to life. And he says, now, come to me. As Paul said, God calls all people everywhere now to repent. What does God want from you? He doesn't want you playing church. He doesn't want you going through the motions. He certainly doesn't want you acting like everything's great with him on Sundays, but then living the way you want to the rest of the time. No, no, God wants you to be honest with him honest with yourself and repent and turn to him and listen if you do he will revive you he will breathe new life into you he will he will raise you up he will build you up so that you can really walk in his presence so you can know him isn't it time that you return to the lord why don't you bow your heads with me for just a minute? And listen, you may be here today and you've never really given your life to Christ. Um, then today is your day. This is your moment. Right here, right now. God's speaking to you. And he's already told you how much he loves you. 
Scripture says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your trust and faith in Jesus. To say a simple prayer with a broken heart, with a repentant heart, to ask Christ to come into your life. So if that's you right now, if the Spirit of God is knocking on the door of your heart, if He's saying, this is you, this is now, don't wait, this is your moment, then I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Just pray after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you. I know I've broken your laws and I've broken your heart. But I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. And so I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. Please make me a new person. Today I choose to turn from my sin and to turn to you. Breathe new life into me now. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Now just with your heads bowed, maybe you're a follower of Christ, but it's time to repent. It's time to lay some things down. It's time to get honest with God. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe you're sitting on the couch. Maybe you're at the kitchen table. Maybe you're in your car. I don't know where you're listening to this, but... If you can do this, I'm going to ask you to do something I've never asked you to do before. I want you to slip down to your knees. And while you're on your knees, I want you to cry out to God. And say, God, please forgive me. God, show me my sin. Let me see it the way you see it. God, give me a brokenness over it. God, renew me again. I want you to pray that prayer right now. I'm going to be still for just a minute. I want you to pray that on your knees before God. Will you do that right now? Father, I thank you that you hear every prayer that cries out to you in repentance. Every person that admits their need and cries out for forgiveness and puts their trust in Jesus is a prayer you hear and you respond to. And Lord, in this passage in Hosea 6 verse 2, you said, man, you'll move quickly. You, that's what you're looking for. That's what you want in us. You want to revive us again. So Lord, breathe new life into us. Lord, we're asking for spiritual renewal and awakening in our own personal lives. But Lord, I pray that, that you would also bring that to our country. God, we're praying right now that you would bring spiritual awakening to our nation and that people from all walks of life and from across every state in our nation, God, would turn to you and cry out to you and humble ourselves before you, God, and that you would move in our hearts again. Lord, we long for a renewal. Lord, we need a renewal. God, breathe new life into us again. And we pray this in Jesus' name.